Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. Light fuse. I need your help. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. I'm jumping out a window. You've never seen me very upset. Meet the IMF. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Now, Sophia, I would say that you're healthy and all is well, but something horrific happened to you recently. Yes, unfortunately. Since the last time we recorded, I was in a major accident. Yes, before we get into what we've been eating most recently, which I assure you is an interesting topic. Um, Sophia and I yesterday went to go get some Rita's together and then sat down at a bench and then we were met with two enemies mm-hmm. um, that seem to want to antagonize and hurt Sophia to an ultimate end. Yeah, I was stung by two wasps yesterday. One to the arm, one to the finger. And Sophia's finger is swollen. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So bear with us today. Yeah, she's on a little bit of Benadryl and she's really fucked up, yo. Yeah. But, um... What have you been eating most recently, Sophia? Well, I'm glad you asked, Parth. Most recently I ate um, food prepared by Parth's father. Um, It was a grilled chicken sandwich with some veggies and spicy mayo. It was delicious. I had the same thing, guys. We had dinner together. Yeah. With the fam, the Marate family clan. Uh, That's all I got for this intro, guys. Um, Why don't we cue it? Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week, we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. Well done, Sophia. This week, we are continuing on without an interview guest and also without our usual co-host, Trent Alguer, um, because we are doing our Mission miniseries where Sophia and I watch all the Mission Impossible movies and then discuss them. And we're nearing the end. Mm-hmm. We're officially over halfway done at this point. So, Sophia, mm-hmm. this is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation? Correct. And if you had to, like, say what the plot of this was, a synopsis, let's say, in ten words, mm. what would it be? Tom Cruise goes rogue. Wow. And fights other rogues, the syndicate. Hey, that's pretty good, I would say. Mm-hmm. The real one is Ethan and his team take on their most impossible. The real one is Ethan and his team take on their most impossible mission yet when they have to eradicate an international rogue organization as highly skilled as they are and committed to destroying the IMF. I think I like yours more. Thank you. We got a little rogue on rogue action in this movie. Yeah, whoa, Sophia, rogue on rogue. Is that even legal? <laughs> I don't know. Um, But what is legal is you telling me the budget and box office. So this movie cost some money and it made some money. It cost about $150 million. Um, I wish I had that in my bank account. And (laughs) it made $682.7 million. So I would say that's pretty good. Pretty successful, but a little bit less than Ghost Protocol. (gasps) Um, And also... Uh, shout out to Caravan of Garbage, a show that I watch on YouTube, because they just covered Rogue Nation. Wow. And this movie was released the same year as Star Wars, um, Avengers, Bond, um, something else, and another thing. Um, and it made less money than all of them. But I would say that now, the Mission Impossible brand is stronger than all of those other things. It's interesting because I feel like I was a cognizant being in 2012, but I don't really remember this movie coming out. But I certainly 2015, remember- 2015, Sophia. Oh, oh, I was reading, looking at the production history. Well, I certainly was cognizant in 2015, and I, I don't remember this yeah. being a thing at the time. Like, I remember the Avengers for obvious reasons, but- Yeah. I mean, obviously, these are very different times. It's just, like, funny that, yeah. like, this one has kind of been chugging along. Mm-hmm. Sophia, would you like some production history? Yes, please. 
So on August 5th, 2012, Christopher McQuarrie was officially confirmed to write and direct MI5. Cruz brought up the idea of McQuarrie directing MI5 while the pair were working on Edge of Tomorrow. Um, McQuarrie hastily accepted, wanting to get back to work on Edge of Tomorrow. Cruz asked who he would have to call to get McQuarrie to direct the new film, and McQuarrie said that it would probably have to be Brad Gray, the CEO of Paramount Pictures at the time. Cruz said, okay, and went into another room for 10 to 15 minutes where McQuarrie said he could hear Cruz talking and laughing. Cruz then re-entered the room saying, okay, Brad, great, good talking with you. Hung up the phone and told McQuarrie, yeah, you're directing Mission Impossible. Cute. I wish Tom Cruise would get me to direct a movie this way. (laughs) So the basics- Who would Tom Cruise have to call to get, to ensure that you could direct this movie? Like, who's your keeper? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Because he had to call... Well, he had to call the CEO of the company. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's not Christopher McQuarrie's keeper. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're a silly gal. Well, I was like, why does he have to call this guy? No, because he's the CEO of Paramount, Fair. which owns Mission Impossible. Um... So the basic story of the film we see today was made through the necessity of the action sequences that Cruz and McQuarrie had laid out. McQuarrie wanted to split the team in half, liking the pairing of Luther and Brandt, as Luther was Ethan's oldest friend and Brandt um, Ethan's newest. Mm -hmm. I like the pairing of the two of them. I think they're fun in this movie. Yeah, it was fun to have Luther back in a more real sense, because I think that in the last two... Well, in the last movie, he's only there for like a cameo, but... Three, I would say he's, like, a pretty big... Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, especially after the last movie, which is a pretty great movie, but I think it's lacking some Luther. Yeah. And you don't want to be lacking Luther. No, certainly not. Cruz and McCory kept searching for the actress for Ilsa until the last day of the deadline, where they found Rebecca Ferguson's headshot. After a meeting with Ferguson, Cruz and McCory likened her to Ingrid Bergman and cast her in the role. Paramount then announced a release date of December 25th, 2015. Christmas! (laughs) Christmas! <laughs> um, and production began August 20th in Vienna, Austria to shoot part of the Vienna Opera House sequence. McCory came up with the idea for the sequence. Um, Cruz was unsure how well the sequence was going to go, but as per their creative process, went along with it. So the crew had permission to shoot at the Opera House for five days, and three of those five days were filming just the roof escape. Rebecca Ferguson suffered from vertigo prior to her experience on the film, and her first day of filming was jumping off the Vienna Opera House. She said she shouted, quote, the naughtiest words into Cruz's ear while being raised in the air for the fall. After they did the fall and landed, she claims Cruz smiled at her and said, quote, welcome to mission. <laughs> Cruz denies doing this, saying it's cheesy. Um, Why would he deny that? That seems like in character for him. Yeah. Well, it's on like, he said this on a talk show. He's like, oh, I didn't do that. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for the remaining two days, production shot as much of the opera as they could. Um, composer Joe Kramer conducted the orchestra at McCory's behest as he wanted to make sure the music would be timed correctly in the edit. Most of the sequence was done on a soundstage in London. Later in August, production moved to Morocco to film the car and motorcycle chase. McCory struggled while conceiving the car slash motorcycle chase as Ethan was originally chasing Solomon Lane. While in the previous process, McCory realized the sequence would be way more interesting if Ethan was chasing Ilsa instead and rewrote the whole scene. The production team had to build new camera rigs to shoot the scene the way McCory and Cruz had in mind. For all the shots looking in through the windshield at Ethan or Benji, three cameras were attached to the front of the car, giving Cruz limited visibility while driving. The crew only had partial control of Morocco and often found themselves driving past people's real houses at incredibly high speeds. What would you do if Tom Cruise sped through your home? I was about to say your address, but then maybe that's not safe. Through my actual house? Well, past your house. Um, I feel like he'd be going so fast I wouldn't even notice him. Yeah. The shoot was incredibly dangerous for everyone involved as the crew was filming on locations with 2,000-foot drops. The shot where Ethan scrapes his knee was done on purpose and filmed several times to get the take you see in the film. The crew then moved to England in September 2014. Production shot the opening of the film. The record store was a set that was built for the film. Cruz said he wanted it to be so good that audience members would want to go to it. Cruz was into vinyl himself around the time of production, and Cruz said that the record store was partially based on Cruz's own collection. What makes the record store so good that audience members would want to go there? Like, nothing in per- Like, I, I think when you watch, it's like, oh, fun, cool, whatever. But, like, I, I just feel like it's, like, a, re- a cool-looking yeah. record store, but it just is a record store. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so the underwater sequence began with production designer Jim Bissell creating a concept build of the Taurus. Cruz began training for the sequence two months before production began. 
Macquarie designed the sequence to have the least amount of setups possible so as to decrease the amount of time needed to shoot the sequence. This necessitated Cruz having to hold his breath for over three minutes, as he would have to go underwater, wait for the crew to get set up, wait for bubbles to clear, and then film the actual sequence. Cruz trained for a month to increase his ability to hold his breath, eventually gaining the ability to hold his breath for six minutes. Cruz blacked out a few times while training to know what his limits would be. Stunt coordinator Wade Eastwood said, quote, On two or three occasions, I brought him up because I felt like he was down for too long. He was like, what are you doing? I was right in the moment. I'm acting. And I was like, I know. It was just too real for me and I wasn't comfortable. One time, Eastwood made Cruz come up for air as he was afraid Cruz had pushed himself too far, to which Cruz replied, I got plenty of breath. Trust me, I don't want to die. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he do- and it's also funny to me that they don't highlight the length of time he's able to stay underwater for. Um, yeah. Because in the movie, he only has to be underwater for three minutes. And he yeah. does end up being underwater for a little more than three minutes. But it is funny that in real life, he has the capacity to be underwater for six yeah. minutes. Because I'm also like, why is that necessary? Yeah. Uh, why is what necessary? Six whole minutes. Well, okay. The six-minute thing is a little bit of a lie. It's not a lie. He is able to, but that is from when he was just, like, still. He was able to, and, like, just, like, in the water still, he was able to do it for six minutes. While actually moving, I think he could only do, like, three to four. Yeah. I mean, granted, three to four is way more than I think anyone else could do, but. And so does Kate Winslet hold the title for most time spent underwater? Yes, this is, yeah, this has since been beaten by Kate Winslet for Avatar 2. Which is impressive because this is like Tom Cruise, who is like a stunt guy, performer, athlete, whereas Kate Winslet is a little older and also not into these like crazy stunts. Yeah, I wonder, is there any science on whether women can hold their breath longer? I have no idea. But um, regardless, I, I feel like if, if... Now that there's competition and he had to do it again, I feel like he'd beat her. Yeah, I'm sure he would out of, like, a competitive spirit, but still. But yeah, but I mean, kudos, Kate Winslet. So the scene was shot in an underwater tank in Leavesden, but the tourist set was mostly created in VFX. Everything Ethan had to touch in the scene was actually built, while the rest of the set was an underwater tank with green screens. The character of Atlee did not exist in the film until McCory and Eddie Hamilton, the editor, who we talked to on this podcast edited the motorcycle chase and tourist scene together. They had to figure out a reason for why Ilsa was doing what she was doing and came up with her MI6 handler. The crew then moved to the English countryside to film the A400 stunt. The origins of this stunt also began with Jim Bissell, who created a model of the A400 plane. McCory joked that they would hang Tom Cruise off the side of it, and Cruise took him seriously. The team had to then figure out if the stunt was, if the stunt was even structurally possible for the A400. Airbus, the manufacturer of the aircraft, told them that it was impossible... But Cruz and McCory persisted until they found a way. Cruz was put in a harness and held on by a wire that attached him to the side of the plane. He also wore contact lenses that would allow him to keep his eyes open while on the side of the plane, but it also made it nearly impossible for him to see anything. Cruz chose the suit that he wore for the scene, as he wanted the suit from North by Northwest, but this meant that Cruz would have practically no thermal protection. The sequence was filmed over four days in November 2014 at 25 degrees Fahrenheit, with the A400 reaching a cruising altitude of 5,000 feet. The plane had to be fast enough for takeoff, but not so fast as to tear Cruz off the side. Cruz said he was not able to sleep the night before the stunt. Just before filming while attached to the plane, Cruz yelled to McCory, If I look like I'm panicking, I'm acting. Don't cut. Classic Tom Cruise yeah, line. That, that's definitely a Cruz. A Cruzapalooza of a, a line. A Cruzism. Yeah. A Cruzical. Um, while much of the crew believed the stunt was a one-take deal, as soon as the plane landed, Cruz motioned for the pilot to immediately go up in the air again. They ended up going in the air eight times. On the second time, Cruz was hit by a pebble that almost broke his rib. If it hit him a little higher, the stone would have gone through his skull. McCoy said that they started rolling immediately once the crew got into the plane. Once they got everything they needed and the plane started to come down, Cruz would start laughing, which was McCoy's cue to cut. After filming all the major action set pieces, Cruz and McCory had to figure out how to fit it all together in a story similar to the way Ghost Protocol was shot. Originally, the A400 was meant to be at the end of the film, but they soon realized it wasn't going to work because of the way the other sequences had been laid out. This meant the only place for it to go was at the beginning. This then moved the opera sequence, which was meant to be the opening set piece for the film, further down the line. This reordering event still didn't solve the main problem, which is that they didn't know how to end the film. Both Cruz and McCory were set on finding a way for Ethan to kill Lane, but couldn't find a way to make it happen. 
McCory eventually decided that Ethan shouldn't kill Lane, and the ending of, in the film was a product of necessity, as the film had practically no money left and 10 days to film whatever ending they came up with. Based on the material they had assembled thus far, McCory came up with the idea of putting Lane in a box to mirror the beginning of the film. Production built a restaurant set, and McCory wrote the scene of Ethan talking to Benji on the way to set. Because of this, Cruz didn't have the opportunity to memorize his lines, so Peg held index cards with Cruz's lines on his forehead and slowly moved them up so it didn't look like Cruz was reading off the cards. McCory didn't decide what was in the drive stored in the Taurus until he figured out how the film ended. All the business surrounding Lane's plan of getting Ethan to steal the drive and then needing voice activation from the Prime Minister to steal the drive um, was all a product of finding out what would make sense given the action sequences. Finally, on March 12th, 2015, the film ended production. Uh, the film had an accelerated post-production schedule as Paramount moved up the release date uh, up to July 31st, 2015, so that it didn't compete with Star Wars The Force Awakens. The film was scored by Joe Kramer, McQuarrie's longtime collaborator. Kramer, McQuarrie, Brian Singer, and Ethan Hawke all went to the same high school and would work on short films together. Oh Yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah. Um, the final film was finished five days before the premiere, which meant that Cruz and McCory didn't see the actual finished film until they sat down for the premiere. After seeing the film at the premiere, Cruz turned to McCory and said, quote, we can do better. That's cool, but also, like, not great of a reaction to be like, we can do better. Well, he, he's, he says that after every movie. Yeah. Apparently. Um, yeah. And they could. Oof. <laughs> Um, yeah, I I guess we'll get into that soon. Um, but first, Sophia, some fun facts. Absolutely. Paramount and Disney worked out a deal where Disney agreed not to promote Rogue One, a Star Wars story, until the release of Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, due to the similarities of their titles. Lots of rogues happening here. The opening mission briefing coming from a record player was Cruz's idea. I think that that, that the record player is fun, and we'll get into this in a minute, but I think it could have been more fun. Mm. It's not my favorite um, reading of a mission. Composer Joe Kramer decided only to use instruments and tools that Lalo Schifrin would have access to on the TV show. Uh, Lalo Schifrin was the original composer. He created the theme. Ah. The film had an originally planned schedule of 84 days, but ended up with 124 shooting days. Interestingly, the film only went $500,000 only over budget. Only $500,000. But $500,000 is truly not that much to go over budget. The final scene between Huntley and Brandt was filmed at Pinewood Studios in the room where Cruz had his first meeting about making Mission Impossible. McQuarrie's brother was hired as a technical consultant. He was an ex-Navy SEAL with combat experience. Doug McQuarrie provided advice on Hunt's drowning as he had previously been through that experience twice. The true... The crew called him Twice Drowned Doug. That's cute, but sort of mean, almost. Well, I mean, I think he finds it in fun. Like, yeah, all good I fun. guess. Um, did he, like, die then? No. Well, did, like, was he, like, resuscitated? Oh, I, I don't know. Like, to what extent did he drown, you yeah, know? Because, like, maybe. Tom Cruise dies in the film. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Renner shot the film concurrently with Avengers Age of Ultron. Good for him. The opera scene, well, the opera sequence was the first thing to be shot as well as the last thing to be shot as Cruz and Macquarie kept adding shots to the scenes to make the geography between characters clearer. I don't feel like the geography is clear, but that's okay. Wow, that's a hot take, kind of. Um, but Sophia has a lot of negative thoughts regarding this movie. I don't hate this movie, but no. some people apparently did. Uh, yeah. Uh, Some people hated it so much, they may give it a one-star review. Sophia, why don't you tell us one of them? So, Mojo said to us, not free with Amazon package. My girlfriend, Korean, speaks minimal English. She knows now. What does she know? (laughs) What is she talking about? Did she not know that she couldn't speak English? But what does this have to do with the movie? Like, I like to think that the girlfriend watched this movie and was like, wait, I can't speak English. Yeah, I I've chose this one because I was like, what does this mean? What what was supposed to have happened? Yeah. I also like that it just says there's no commas or anything. My girlfriend Korean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean do you think she is Korean or do you just think her name is her Korean name is and Korean. she just also happens to yeah. also speak minimal English? Yeah. 
Um, this next one is from John J. Nagugi. Um, great name. Um, says, you should show it doesn't work in Buyer's Legion. <laughs> DVD did not work at all in my state, Washington State, USA. When I put it on, it said incorrect legion. See, it might say incorrect region, region? Um, but I also doubt that. Like, I, I think they did something wrong. It, I think they did something particularly wrong. It's also, he wrote the word legion twice, so to me, I don't think that it did say region. But, but like... Uh, no Blu-ray or DVD would ever say incorrect Legion. But why did he write Legion I think twice? he's stupid. I think he's dumb. Yeah. All right. Well, diligent buyer said to us, <laughs> Ego Nation. Okay. That's a slay. <laughs> this movie is beyond James Bond movies. That's why I renamed it Ego Nation. Just sucks. No, I like this. Yeah. I like Diligent Buyer. I'm sad they didn't like the movie. Uh, it's a movie I yeah. like, but um, Ego Nation. Hilarious. Pretty good. And great name, Diligent Buyer. Yeah. Now, we've heard so much about how much this movie, how this movie got made, how much it was made for, how much it made, um, and other people's opinions, but I'm really interested in yours, Sophia. So should we start going through the movie? Yes, please. So we open the movie off with the plain business, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a fun opening. Yeah. I like um, Benji in his, uh, what is it called? Gilly suit. Gilly suit. Yeah, that's I was surprised you knew. Why. I don't know. Well, uh, there's there's something I took out from the production history just because I was trying to make it a lot shorter, but like he posted something on his Instagram where he was like, Tom Cruise and Chris McCory made me wear this as if to say, fuck you, Simon Pegg, you hapless fucking clown. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like such an intense thing to post. Um, but yeah, kind of like random. Like he was joking. Though. No, 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 he's yeah. joking. He's joking. Um, there's also a photo on McCory's Instagram of him and Cruise wearing the ghillie suits, like while location mm -hmm. scouting or something, which I find funny. That's funny. I'll show it to you. Um... Yeah, solid opening to the movie. There's a complaint with this movie that the plane stunt is the best stunt that they have in the movie and that it happens in the first, like, five minutes. Um, but I don't really... I don't mind. I don't really yeah. care. I think that they often do these, like, big dramatic stunts right to kick off the movie. I don't yeah. think that it's not in line with and I, other and movies. I, I, I'm fine with it. It doesn't... Yeah. yeah. I also don't know what... It's not like that stunt serves a narrative... Yeah thing and i don't it's know just to what say like this is where they are like yeah. this is what's going on with them then we um and i feel like this stunt is fun but to me pushes my um belief a little bit of in his skills um sure like especially when he pulls out that thing like the big when he the big package, the package um with the parachute attached to it and then he's just like holding on to it like would that not rip both of your arms off what the hell well well, but he's, like, entrenched himself in it. I guess. I don't know. I just feel like it's a little much. Over the top? Yeah. I, I don't mind it. Yeah. Uh, then we have the opening title sequence. Then we have Tom Cruise getting the mission uh, through the record store player and then getting caught by Solomon Lane. Mm -hmm. um, and you have, rec you have rec uh, mission briefing thoughts. Yeah, I wish it was just a normal record player as opposed to, like, fancy record player, you know, like, with the holographic stuff. Because I feel like the holographic stuff was not really essential to the message. And I feel like it's more fun when these things are just, like... Analog. It's almost just like anybody could just happen upon it. Like, the um, camera that they have in which film? Three. In three, like, that's fun to me because I'm like, anybody just could have purchased that thing and, like, it, sure, yeah. it almost presumes that this is just, like, exists in the normal world if you know how to look for it. But this is, like, it makes it too much of a gadget, I feel. Fair enough. Um, I don't have a problem with the idea of it. It's, I don't like the way the green, like, text yeah. looks. Like, it, I, I don't love it. Um, but then Ethan is captured. We then see... Uh, we're kind of cross-cutting between Ethan being, like, in his thing, mm -hmm. and um, Ilsa comes in and then rescues him, and we cross-cut between that and, like, Brant and Alec Baldwin. Mm -hmm. Like, Alec Baldwin is like, the IMF is bad, mm -hmm. um, and we need to shut them down. Um, and uh, you have interesting thoughts regarding Ilsa, or particular, because most people really love Ilsa in the series, and I think you seem 
meh on her. I feel that they make it seem like they have this grand relationship immediately when I don't really buy it. So it's not that I have a problem with her. It's that, like, I don't necessarily The movie is forcing her into... Yeah, the movie's forcing us to, like, believe in this relationship between the two of them. And I don't think they have the same immediate chemistry that Tom Cruise has with, um... Naya? Yeah, 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 exactly. I maintain that they have the best chemistry chemistry in the whole series. And even, like, he and his wife, you can understand, like, they have a relationship that we haven't seen that's, like, blossomed over the course of a while. So that makes sense to me. And his relationship with Naya, like, immediate, I, like, I don't know, like, they click in a certain way. Well, they have, like, a sexual chemistry. Yeah, exactly. And they immediately sleep together, you know, and now he has, like, cares about her more because of that. Whereas I just... I don't entirely buy the relationship immediately. Sure. I think that they really do push it hard in this movie, especially because of the first movie where they meet and he's just like, I trust you. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, there are so many reasons to not trust this girl. Like you're a spy. I think to some extent it makes Ethan look dumb kind of for entrusting somebody who is like, ends up being mostly good. But at the same time, is almost like triple crossing people, you know? I think she works, and we'll get to this, she works way better in Fallout, in my opinion. Um, I still, I really like her character. I think she's a fun addition, but I do agree that I don't know that I love them as like a romantic pairing or something in this movie, which I think this movie tries to push, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that it, wholly succeeds yeah again i think she's way better utilized in the next movie but i still think she's good in it and i I believe her like as like a spy and like all that stuff yeah i agree i don't have a problem with her i just have the problem with the way that they use her i guess sure yeah um but anyways ethan escapes he calls um brant who tells him like oh you you have to go rogue Mm -hmm. and then we cut to Three months later, I think. Yeah. And then, I felt like Brant was very different in this movie than he was in he seems, the last one. This is something I have about this movie. It's a way more like loosey-goosey movie. Yeah. Like it's way re- more relaxed, I think, than- Yeah. Because I don't even necessarily think that like he's so different mm-hmm. in like as a character mm-hmm. because he had like a sarcastic kind of sense of humor in the last movie, but the stakes were so high that I feel yeah. like it wasn't like- this movie doesn't go so far as to have, like, bits, mm-hmm. but, like, it's way more, like, ha yeah. like, in a way that even Ghost Protocol, which is, like, a cartoony, like, funny, at that point, mm-hmm. the funniest in the series, um, I don't think that movie does yeah. bits as much as this movie does. Yeah, I guess I just feel like in the last movie, Brant was much more serious, I guess, and so yeah. he really opposed a lot of the people on the team because he was, like, sort of intense and sort of serious when they were more likely to be like, all right, like, let's do the intense thing, like, and we'll have sort of fun doing it. And he was like, this is a bad call. Um, whereas in this one, you sort of get that a little bit, but yeah. not, I don't think it's, it's delivered not quite in the, the same, same way. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, uh, Hunley, um, Alec Baldwin's mm-hmm. character, um, <laughs> what? nothing just alec baldwin or just alec baldwin like he's so crazy he i love him in these movies like i he's so goofy he seems he's goofy to the max he seems like an interesting guy but like i think in these movies like he's so strange in the yeah. way he delivers his lines i said this to parth while we were watching the movie and like i really feel like more than anything i know alec baldwin for his donald trump donald impression. Trump impression and then every time i see him acting in anything i'm like he's just doing the donald trump impression because it sounds like it yeah it 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 does like he whispers <laughs> like Hunt is highly trained and uniquely motivated I don't know. It's so funny to me. Um, and I don't think he's doing that. <laughs> Into, no, that, I mean, that's just how he talks. But it's funny because that's what I associate yeah. with him with. So then I see him in this and I'm like, dude, you got to chill it out with the goofiness. Yeah. Um, they try to find Ethan. They think that he's in Havana. Ooh, nah, nah. But mm-hmm. he's not. He's in Paris. Um, oui, oui. And that happens. Um then we see Benji, who gets mm-hmm. tickets to the opera, and this yep. leads us into the opera sequence, which I think I like way more than you do. The opera sequence? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the sequence? Um, 
me think what even happens in it well like there's like the fight in the like the with the big guy between Cruz and the big mm-hmm. guy and then he gets the gun which is made of a flute and mm-hmm. then uh, he has to shoot the chancellor before the other two people can shoot the chancellor um, so i guess my feeling about this sequence is that it's very action heavy as opposed to it if it were done like let's say i think of um what's it called the opening to the first movie is somewhat similar in a certain way to this sequence in that you have them in tuxes fancy outfits at this what where are they in the first one i don't it's some like political thing let's say and so it visually resembles in a certain way that first one whereas in the first one you see them more interacting with the people being sly putting on an accent wearing a costume pretending to be somebody else trying to get in the right spot at the right time whereas this is more just like guns shooting fight time or whatever and as we know i'm not a big action person so to me i would rather than be doing something in a more suave sophisticated way rather than just the yeah. Guns. This is not something that I guess I really thought of before having you come along to do this series. Mm-hmm. But I think once McCory comes on, it becomes more about action. Yeah. Um, which, I, again, I don't think it's a bad thing for the series. Yeah. Fallout is my favorite of the series. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how you feel about Fallout just because mm-hmm. that's my favorite. Yeah. And you've already seen it, but like, I don't know how much you remember it. Yeah. But like, um, I do think that's the pinnacle of the series. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It is more action-based yeah. as the series goes on. And I think on. especially coming out of Ghost Protocol, which I think is really, like, That's, like, the best spy, like, yeah. um, This movie does not have the same sleekness or suaveness or... Yeah. I, like, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it just... It doesn't quite hit in the same way, you know? Sure. Um, but then they escape from Vienna, and yep. then they go in the car. There's a chase that happens. Then they get the information. They get her, like, lipstick. Mm -hmm. Then Ethan and Benji go to a safe house. They get all the information, and they're like, oh, we got to go to Morocco. And then they go to Casablanca, um, meet Ilsa Faust there, and then... Oh, we we skipped something before. What? When Tom Cruise is locked up and he gets out of the pole thing. Oh, yeah. Well, we kind of talked about that, but yeah. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? I knew Tom Cruise was going to go over that pole. I knew it for sure. I love when he does it. Fun to see. I think it's Goofy fun. to see. Um, this girl loves to take her shoes off. She always takes her shoes off. She does off. it twice in the movie. I know, but that's particular. Like, that, like I and guess. when she does it the first time, it's so like, why are you taking your shoes off? And I don't feel like there was ever really an answer. There's not. The second time is, um, that was Cruise's idea, because mm-hmm. he was like, he talks about this movie as being like a boy meets girl type movie, like a meet cute like type thing. I don't think it is. <laughs> no, but um, his his idea is that like they, they meet and then the second their second date is at the Vienna Opera House mm-hmm. and that's where she's like, oh, I'll take my shoes off, mm-hmm. and like that's the idea. So I don't think you can blame that more on Cruz yeah. than on McCory, I guess. Um. Yeah. Um. But anyways, then. They go to Casablanca, they learn that Tom Cruise has to hold his breath for a million minutes. Mm-hmm. Then Tom Only Cru- three. Well, okay. Then they go to the- One thing that happens when they're in, in Casablanca, when you see her in the pool and that she's trying to clearly yeah, do yeah. this stunt that we'll later see, which I think is a fun little like alluding to what's coming- but she's only able to hold her breath for under two minutes, which to me, that's not like, like, I couldn't hold my breath for two minutes. But she's a spy, like, with the government. You would think that sure. she would have, like, some more skills of, like, breath holding, whatever, right? Sure. Because but- three active minutes of holding your breath is pretty impressive. But two minutes just laying there, like, less than two minutes, like, that's not that good, I think. I get- well, we don't know what she was doing. We don't know whether she was, like, swimming underneath or whatnot. It didn't look like she was. It's also funny to me that she has, like, this armband gadget thing. That shows you exactly like, how much oxygen like, you have. Well, it's so goofy. Can't she just have a timer and then, like... Well, I think it's meant to be, like, so that when he goes there, like, visually the audience understands, like, oh, X much... Sure. Oxygen left. Um, Sophie doesn't like it. It's just not necessary. I don't mind it. Um, then we actually do the Taurus sequence, which I think I have kind of beef with. 
Really? I don't think it looks as good as it should. Yeah. Because I don't think... I think by making the whole background... So, okay. So, the reason this is shot is the way it's supposed... The way it's shot is it was originally supposed to be, like, a four-minute-long one-take. Mm-hmm. And so it was shot in such a way where the takes would be stitched together. Yeah. Then when he made it, he realized there, like you kind of lose all sense of tension. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's intercut with Benji walking through the door yeah. stuff. The problem is that it still does the sort of... <coughs> it still does the sort of, like, fake one-take stuff. And I just feel like it doesn't look real. Like, yeah. I know Tom Cruise is doing this for six... For, like, three, four minutes, however yeah. long he's doing it for. But I don't know that... I feel like because the background is like completely swapped out, yeah, it doesn't feel like it's super real. I agree. Um, and that's my beef with it. It's it's not bad, and I still think that like they do a pretty good job with the sequence as a whole. I just feel like you put all this effort into doing it yeah. for real, and now it just like because you've CG'd out the entire thing, it doesn't look real. Yeah, it's like we. We don't have digital Tom, but if we have real Tom in a digital world, then isn't it sort of the same? It's, yeah, it kind of loses a little bit of its allure to me. Which, to some extent, is the same way that I feel about um, the Avatar, the way of the water situation. Sure, I'm yeah. like, they're underwater for like a long, impressive amount of time, but like I can't tell that they're actually underwater. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so then he gets out of the water, or Ilsa saves him. Yep. Then they get out, then... The, he, Benji comes strutting over in his he, new tourist his, threads. Yeah, and then he um, gets... Tom Cruise gets revived, but then Ilsa runs off with the um, information they have mm-hmm. to steal, like the, the drive. And she shocks Benji before she goes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Then... And I like when she does this, because I like how this whole time... You don't know whether she's good if or she's bad. a good guy or a bad guy or if she's like an okay guy but just not on Tom Cruise's team or what's going on here. And that's going to change shortly. But at least up until this point, I do think it's fun that he sort of has this love interest that he's not entirely sure of their Her allegiance. Yeah. yeah. Then we have car chase followed by motorcycle chase. Sophia will be like, this is all right. This is cool. I actually liked it though. Wow. Because this is surprising. Here's why. I like the gag of Tom Cruise being out yes, of sorts because like he just died and got revived. I like that he's sort of like out of in it. A haze. I also think it's so fun that um, we meet up halfway or right in the beginning of it or at some part of it with um, the oh, Luther with Brant and Brant and Luther? team. Yeah. I, I love like when the team all comes back together. That's just yeah. like so fun to me. Sophia hates when the team isn't together and things. No, I, I, I don't know why. I just have a unique beef with like, I don't like when they break up a good team, you know, yeah. like when they're all doing their separate things. I want them to work together and be friends. And so that's like so fun that they're like when they show up and they're, you know, what the, you know, yeah. very fun. Um, wow, I'm surprised you liked it this much. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely goes on longer than, like... You would want. Well, it's like, I get the point. You're on a motorcycle. Like, goddamn. Um, I like his goofy outfit. What's up with that oh, shirt? Oh, it's so fun. I so love random. it. So random. I guess they're trying to look like tourists, but also why? Like, why do they need to look like tourists? Yeah. And what's the difference between a tourist wearing a goofy pink shirt, like, button up, pulled over a t-shirt, versus, like, a black, more spy vibe outfit? I don't yeah. know. Um... But then this all happens. Um, and she gets away in the end. Yeah, she gets away. Then the team regroups, um, and they basically learn that the prime minister's going to be mm-hmm. taken. Yep. Um, then they meet up with Ilsa at an airport, and she offers him... She basically says, like, you either turn me in, or you try to, like, gamble with the prime minister's life, or you and me just go away, which... You said you didn't buy. So there's two scenes that happen, I believe, back to back that I really didn't like in this movie and turned me off to it a little bit. Number one is when Ilsa goes to meet up with... Oh, Attlee, the Prime Minister, or the the, British Hamler. The the British Hamler. Um, Because to me, that just removes all speculation about Ilsa's allegiances, because you realize, even if there might be some questioning, like, okay, who is she working with at the end of the day? You learn unequivocally she's a good person and she's going to do what she thinks is the right thing, even if we're not 100% sure, is that with the British intelligence, is that going to be with 
her working for the team, whatever. I think it's more fun when we don't know sure. yeah. what's going on there. I think that's more fun. And so when you see her with Atlee, you know without a doubt, like, she's not lying. She's been straight up with him the whole time and that she's a good guy, you know? Um, and so I that's why I was not a huge fan of that sequence. Um, but then, back to back, you then see her with Tom Cruise saying, let's go away together. Why would he do that? He doesn't even know you. He's given no inclination that he is anything more than, like, has an interest piqued by her, right? Like, that's the vibe I get, is that he's like, who is this lady? She's kind of attractive. She's a good fighter, great motorcycle rider. What's up with that? You know? And I think he's interested in that. But I'm like, enough to run away with her? I just really... Yeah. I, to me, that's it's like goofy even when she mentions that. I'm like, that's like so not anywhere in the realm of possibilities. Sure. I, it doesn't bother me as much, but I, I don't buy that he would ever, that that was ever a real option. Yeah. It's really funny actually to compare this with the relationship at MI2 because if she were to say that to Ethan, I would buy it, I think. Yeah. Which yeah. it's just like funny that like, because I don't think the two of them are bad against each yeah. other. Her and, um, well, I'm talking about Rebecca for, I'm talking mm-hmm. about Ilsa and Ethan. Like, I don't think they're bad against like talking with each other. And like, mm-hmm. I don't think they have no com- chemistry. It's just funny that I would buy it with Nye and I don't really buy it with Ilsa. Yeah. Um, and part of me feels like that is, what's it called? Sorry. I'll take it from the top. Part of me thinks that that's because this movie is so much more of a team movie. Sure. Whereas MI2 It's mostly is Tom Cruise doing his more thing. More of a relationship yeah, movie, yeah. right? So I would be more inclined to call that a boy meets girl movie. He also called MI2 a boy meets girl movie. But so that one to me is much more like they're at the center of it and he has his people that help him carry yeah. out the plan. Whereas this movie, he's really connected to his friends who are going out on a limb for him. Oh, here. and Sophia made the point that this movie is way more about his friends. Oh yeah, this movie this is really like family like this is it's really more fast and furious it's giving fast and furious because all the past movies they were like i need to save these people because human lives are important i care about every life i'm gonna do what i can to save people but this movie is like i have to save them because they're my friends and i cherish my loved ones and it's like okay where'd that come from sure um besties over here um and I'm fine with that, but the thing is, you do see them going out on a limb for Tom Cruise, and then the idea that he's just gonna be like, okay, scroll you guys, I'm gonna go away with her, like, that would be shitty if he did that. Like, yeah. they all, like, went against what They've their, gone rogue. Their, the government and their jobs wanted them to do, essentially just because of what Ethan wanted them to do, basically. And I th- I'm sure that they feel that he's doing the right thing, but that puts them in so much jeopardy, and the idea that he would just leave... Like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. And to me, it even makes me feel like she doesn't understand him. Sure. Um, then we see that Benji gets taken. Mm-hmm. Um, Poor Benji. And Ethan is told that he needs to take the prime minister and open, like, the the pen drive that they got requires the prime minister's voice activation mm-hmm. to open. And so they realize that they have to take the prime minister. And then Jeremy Renner, this is kind of a red herring. Jeremy Renner calls Alec Baldwin and is like, I'm betraying my friends because they're going too mm-hmm. far. Yeah. And then they all meet up in London and you have this whole thing where Jeremy Renner's like, you can't, if I'm going to betray my friends, then uh, it needs to be on my terms and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the business with the prime minister, I'm a fan of. I yeah, think it's fun. that's my favorite part of the movie. I love the deception. Because that's like spy shit. Yeah, exactly. That's To me, that's the best little sequence in this movie. I even wish it was slightly more convoluted than it is, so we get more time with it. Sure. But I think the masks are fun. The little swip swap with um, the British dude is fun. I love the mask reveal yeah in this that's, I think a, it's it's, very that's a great mask reveal because it was sort of unexpected yeah. um i think it's the right amount of mimicking him to saying like he only says things that tom cruise knows that he yeah. thinks is sort of in line with what the guy would say yeah. he's not going crazy great and i i i like that like just prior to the mask reveal um hunley alec baldwin mm-hmm. says that hunt is a specialist without equal uh, or uh, says a bunch of shit and then calls him the manifestation of destiny. Yeah, I crazy. Love, it's like a crazy line, but I, 
I just love it. And then when Tom Cruise takes his um, mask off, Alec Baldwin goes, hunt. Also fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, really silly. Um, it's also funny to me that the they make the prime minister, like, a really good person in this. Like, yeah. he's just, like, really cares about the state of the world. He cares about yeah. his country. Like, he's like, we gotta do what we can. I guess I'll let the Brits have this one. Yeah, it, but it's funny to me that they make him, like, yeah. such a good guy. Because I feel like this movie has few people in, like, in authority, authority positions yeah. that are good people. But he's very, like, this isn't right. Yeah. Um, then, um, they get Alec Baldwin to trust them, and then Ethan sets up a meeting with Solomon Lane, um... And they get Alec Baldwin to trust them in a way that's like, we will further your career if you go with us. Yes, which, to yeah. some extent, shows, again, another, like, corruption in authorities' positions. Yeah. Because the way that they do it is not like, this is what we need to do to save... The right. planet from war. This is like, this is what you need to do to get yourself in a better standing with the government. Right. Um, so then um, they go meet Solomon Lane um, and they have the whole like, give me the disc. And then Ethan's like, I memorize the disc. I am the disc. And then. Which to me is very reminiscent of when. Uh, in MI2 when she infects herself yeah, with wow, Chimera. Yeah. This movie's so strangely similar to right? MI2. Because in that movie, she's like, you can't kill me because I am the information you need. And right. in this movie, it's the same thing. He's like, you can't kill me because I'm the information you need. Um, I'm also wow. like, does he really have those skills to be able to memorize that? Okay, like, well, here's the thing that I like about it is that I like that at the end, it's a mind game is yeah. how he wins because I don't think he memorized yeah. the whole thing. I think he only memorized that one thing, but yeah. because he destroys the disc, there yeah. is no, like he provides him with no other true option. Yeah. He has no choice. And I like that that's how Ethan wins. Because afterwards yeah. there's a whole chase sequence and they trap him in the box and that's all fun. But yeah. I like that the way that he wins, the way he stops him is a yeah. mind game. Yeah, and to me that reminds me of um, Ghost Protocol with the man in the water with the the light that he attaches right, to him yeah. when he sends him out. Like you don't know that yeah. this is going to work, but um, what other option do you have? Exactly, and the idea of like, I think that one of his biggest skills is not that he has some hidden superpower but that he really understands people i think yeah, he, he has good human intuition yeah definitely yeah, definitely yeah and it's uh, yeah i just think it's a really fun because it's when i was watching it in theaters uh, because i remember watching this yeah. as a 14 year old boy um it's a ridiculous ridiculous prospect that he would remember like yeah. all of those numbered accounts it does not make sense yeah um but i mean he says like what other choice yeah um just fun and uh, then the whole chase sequence happens. I like the the trapping lane in a box. I think it's a fun, yeah. like, not callback, but, like, um, a payoff yeah. to Ethan being trapped in uh, the thing yeah. with the gas. Um, and then the movie ends. I mean, mm -hmm. Ilsa goes off on her own thing. We learn that the IMF is reinstated, and now Hunley is the secretary at the of the IMF. Yeah. And then cue credits. Yeah. Um. Now, what is your over? I I feel like I can't get an overall read on your feelings on this movie because I think, and you could tell me if you're mm -hmm. if I'm wrong or not. My own opinions are: I like this movie a lot. Sometimes I like to watch this movie more than other ones just because mm -hmm. I feel like I don't watch it as much as the other ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely I think not as good as Ghost Protocol, not as good as One, but I still really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm more of an action guy than you yeah. are, so there's enjoyment in that yeah. for me. I think you think this movie is okay. Yeah, I would say I do think this movie is okay. The thing is, there's some... So there's a lot of things that I've highlighted throughout that I don't love. I don't love that it's super action-y. I don't love that the middle sequence isn't doesn't stand up to some of the other middle sequences sure. in certain missions. Yeah. Um, I don't like the romance within this movie. Um, but ultimately, I do like that it follows the mission formula. And I honestly, I think that if somebody wanted to know, like, what goes into a mission movie? Like, you could watch this and yeah. know, like, this is generally what it's like. You know what I mean? You have that opening really over-the-top stunt. You have the middle, bigger stunt situation happening. You yeah, because the mean? middle is kind of... That's when Taurus, like, the underwater yep. sequence... 
um, car sequence, motorcycle sequence. Yeah. Like three big acts. Yeah. yeah, so I guess that's why you wouldn't like the middle. But here's the trouble with it. I normally do like the middles yeah, of yeah, some of these yeah. other movies, but with this one, I don't know what it is. Something about it just does not hit, I think. Which I think I could tell when... Um, I had to pause the movie in the middle because I could tell Sophia was falling asleep. Okay, I was sleepy. But then Sophia got stung by a wasp and she was awoken. I was alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe we should have kept watching the movie and I wouldn't have had yeah. my accident. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I just think that it, there's, yeah. it doesn't quite hit the same. I think also it coming after Ghost Protocol doesn't help yeah. this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Ghost Protocol is like the template, yeah. I would say. Like, I agree. If you want, again, Fallout's my favorite, but if you had to show one to anybody, mm-hmm. I would say you should show Ghost Protocol. Yeah. Um, I like the team being together. I think that's fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Better than fine, but, you know. Yeah. Um, I feel like I agree with you in terms of the water sequence not being, I don't know, it just, just, it just doesn't look real. And I think yeah. that they're like, this is very reminiscent, especially with um, Benji walking through, pretending to be somebody. It's sort of reminiscent of one with Tom Cruise doing the more action sequence part of it while you have somebody else trying to just like right, yeah. break, breeze on through or whatever. Um, but I don't know. It almost feels like they don't focus on the right part or something like that. Like, I would rather be focusing on the deception and have the... Um, yeah. You know what I mean? That'd be like sort of... Well, this is kind of an inversion of the India stuff in the last yeah. movie. Yeah, where the fun part is her deceiving yeah. the billionaire guy, um, and the less fun part is Jeremy Renner underground, in the, yeah. whatever. This feels like we're focusing, to me, too much on the water stuff and not enough on the Benji stuff. And I feel like this movie... It always puts Benji in second place. Benji can never be the winner. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, he can't be. But that's so much more fun, him walking through. Sure, you sure, know, sure. Yeah. I like that better. I think you get some good Benji stuff in the next movie. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it's funny to me that they put so much effort into like killing the Chancellor at that one. Like, yeah, It is funny that there's like three plans to kill I the also Chancellor. Like, like just generally the Chancellor. Like who is the Chancellor? The Chancellor of what? Like... Chancellor you know, Palpatine. Just generally the Chancellor. Yeah. And that guy is dead. Yeah. That guy's, they made sure. <laughs> I also like when he goes, it's just a flash wound. Yeah. I like when they're like, this is the Kremlin before the IMF and this is the Kremlin after the That's what the I mean. IMF. Like the movie has like a sense of humor that's like so, it's like such a weird, yeah. like I don't know that it's like so funny, but it's kind of like, okay. I just feel like it's there, but I almost wish they leaned into it a mm, little more, more, you know? More or just not. Yeah. Sure. Um, so it's not my favorite, but I don't think it's bad either. Sure. And now, prior to watching this movie, Sophia confided in me a sad, sad point. <laughs> she said, Parth, I have to be honest with you. I don't really care about Tom Cruise's hair. What? That's fine. But I'll just say this might be my favorite of the Tom Cruise hairs. I think it's long enough that it flows in the wind, but short enough that it can look all spiffy and spick and span when he goes to a party. It's not that I don't care. I just, just don't feel the like same. they look that different movie to movie. Like, I have to look it's, at a picture to really magical, compare them, so honestly, but... Two is magical. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Um, really, I think we need to point out the fact that Benji's hair gets much darker, I it think, does. in this movie. It does. I think he looks goofier in the the last one than this because he just like has a unique really blonde vibe to him but in this sure one, you know, he looks just like he looks a guy like a dude yeah um nice Ooh, I, i'm not feeling comfortable right now no i'm not comfortable either it's pretty uncomfortable it's very warm see now we're doing the ah my skin it's burning it's you know whatever um but it is actually warm in this room yeah, that we're recording in um, I had to turn the fan off. My room gets particularly warm in my house. Especially in the summer. Yeah. So uh, we've entered the ratings gauntlet. You can say that again. We've entered the ratings gauntlet. Um, I feel like that was pretty That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, Sophia, 
Would you recommend this movie? Would you rewatch this movie? Would your dad like this movie? And what would you rate this movie? I don't think I would recommend this movie. If somebody said, I'm interested in watching this movie, I wouldn't say, don't watch it. Um, But I don't think that I would necessarily say, like, oh, you're looking for an action movie? Watch this one. I don't think it would come to mind. Um, I think my dad would like it well enough. Sure. Um, Would I rewatch it? Maybe. Probably not. I wouldn't seek it out, but I wouldn't be like, no way. If Parth in a hypothetical future apartment was like, it's Rogue Nation time. I'd be like, sure. Um, I do love the name Rogue Nation. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, I, I like that it's Rogue on Rogue. Um, I also <laughs> I also think it's fun. I keep thinking of the Ego Nation. Yeah, Ego Nation, diligent buyer. He knew what was up. Um, um, and what I would rate it This is, is where it's going to hurt. I think a three out of five. Oh my God. I really thought you were going to say a three out of ten. No, like a six out of ten. Well, yeah, that's what I thought you would say. So I think now my ranking goes, um, Ghost Protocol, so like four, then five, Rogue Nation, then, no, sorry, Ghost Protocol, then one, then five, then three, then two. Oh, you like this more than three. Three Yeah, I guess three is just way more of an action. It's so, I don't, it just, the vibe does not, is not in the right. I think I have the same ranking as you. Yeah, like, because I feel like this does feel like a Mission Impossible movie, whereas I don't think... I think 3 is too much of an action movie. It's too movie. much of a deviation. Um, yeah. But I would say, I think the Vatican sequence in 3 is better than... I agree. Any than of any of the sequences, stuff. yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, I think that 3 probably has a higher high, but also a yeah. lower low. Because I like Julia in yeah, 3. I agree. Way more than... Ilsa? Yeah, I mean, I like Ilsa, and I, I like her more as a spy. That's why I like her in the next movie, is because I think in the next movie, it's less like, we're doing a thing to get... She's more just like another force in the movie. Yeah. Um. Also, this movie... So, Ilsa is sort of a spy, but I wouldn't really say she's on the team. And this no. movie has is the first one to have no girls on the team. What's up with that? Yeah. I guess the next movie also kind of does that but she's more a part of the team what the frick chris but there's way more women in the next one come on chris no there's I, literally no women in this movie no, there's I, ilsa and that's it because no I, the, I, I, ending, I i'm not defending it this movie is very man scene, um when you have um oh like the people Alec saying Baldwin like Baldwin yeah. talking to the council there's not a single woman on the council and i'm like sure it's probably mostly men but you can't have a single woman in the office on the council yeah. anywhere there's like there's not even really background women it's not like the other spies are women at all it's like you you no women hired for this movie i really don't know what's up with that yeah uh i mean it's to speak to the, the council part of it i'm not saying this is a defense yeah. that's a, a reference to another movie like a visual reference, mm-hmm. the parallax view, I think, which it's a council scene with only men. So I'm not saying that that's a good yeah. reasoning, but just in that instance. But yeah, I, I guess I never even like considered None it because... None of the motorcyclists. Like, yeah, because Ilsa you know? is such a like focus of this movie that yeah. I o- never really thought about that, but it's true. It's kind of funny yeah. that it's there's no women on the team. Yeah, because in every other movie, there's been like a girl on their team, you yeah. know, because she's not part of the team because she's like doubles crossing them or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, As for my takes, I would recommend this movie because anybody I've shown this to enjoys it. Um, I would rewatch it. I mean, I have. Um, My mom does like this movie. Um, strange. She likes all of them, apparently. She likes all of them. She likes this one more than Ghost Protocol. Isn't that messed up? That that's just wrong. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, she's she's got some opinions. Not all not all ones I agree with. Um, Seven point five out of ten. And what's so your ranking is the same as mine? I think I think my ranking is the same because I think that one is the one that keeps going up mm-hmm. as I get older. I just think it's a really taut like thriller fun mm-hmm. thing. Um, but four is just kind of, as of now, undoubtedly, undoubtedly the, like, that's the best yeah. one. I just love the deception. Yeah. And one in four do them the best out of any of them, for Definitely. sure. 
And that's the episode. Yeah, that's that. Wow, Sophia, this is the penultimate of the solo Parth and Sophia episodes. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, have you been enjoying your time? Yeah. Um, even though you got stung by a wasp while watching one of these movies? Yeah, midway through. Anyways, um, you can listen to us on any podcasting service of your choice. Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Um, anywhere you get your podcast, we are there. Um, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Those are our social media stuff. You can see updates about which episodes are coming out and any fun things that I want to put up there. Um, and you can check us out next week for what, Sophia? For Mission Impossible, Fallout. Yeah. This was a movie you and I saw in theaters. Yep. So it'll be cool to revisit it because I don't think Sophia's seen it since 2018. That's all, folks. Bye!